that haka, obviously, between the French and the All Blacks, that's a different respect. If you were a Scottish coach, what would you do, South Africa? It's terrible, but to me, I will pick the second team against South Africa. No, you wouldn't. Ah, why? If I had to put my money on it, anyone who thinks Fiji's not going to get out of that group, think again. Oh, no, you probably, they could probably right. and I'm, Hey, it could be Australia, it could be Wales, I'm not sure who it is. Hello and welcome to Marseille for the official Rugby World Cup podcast. I'm Gethin Jones, your host. Uh, the podcast is brought to you by Asahi Super Dry, the official beer of the World Cup. And I'm delighted to say we have got a stellar panel for you this afternoon. This back three would get into any all-time fantasy league. Ex-French captain and head coach Philippe Saint-André, the try-scoring machine that is Joe Rocathoco, and a man that's uh, ever-present on the Rugby World Cup podcast, Hugo Monnier. Lovely to see you, gents. Bonjour. Bonjour. I was waiting to get buried there, because when you talk about all-time great back threes, I'd be nowhere near it. I'd be absolutely nowhere near it. If you were No, to... no, no, but in a fantasy league, yeah. you need to save some money. So you'd have Philippe. And then Joe, and then you spend like your cash there. Two point five. I spent all my cash over there. That's my role. I think hey, their highlights are a lot better than mine. You go for those who are listening to this podcast. Do you want to do a quick uh, where we are? Make everyone feel very jealous as we sit in Philip Santandre's third home. <laughs> yeah, I know. Thank you so much for it's quite nice, us here eh? today. Yeah, the coffee. Welcome, well. welcome to France. Thank you so much. <laughs> so we're based in Marseille, and we're going to be doing a lot of podcasts out of it. It is. I won't give away the time of recording, but it's the morning and it's already 25 degrees. The backdrop is absolutely stunning. You can barely hear a thing. It's about as serene as it comes. However, this will all change in the next few days because the World Cup is descending upon France and the opening weekend, we're going to see a couple of fantastic matches. Very excited. It does feel like the quiet before the storm. It Joe, does. you're based in Paris. What is World Cup fever like? Oh, it's slowly, slowly building up. I mean, slowly being... Um, the excitement levels of people, even if you don't know rugby, I think it's been very much well done in, t in terms of advertising of what rugby is all about. You can just see the colours slowly creeping into Paris and, um, you know, that's the only topic at the moment is this Rugby World Cup and especially this first game coming up. Philip, you, you played in an era and a generation which is often synonymous with French flair and the French style. And it's something that had gone missing for a little while. But when you mentioned this French team, how do you think you'd have fared? Would you have enjoyed playing within this French team? And we are the three former wingers, you know. But when you have Antoine Dupont scrummel, you know, you just be behind him and <laughs> play some, score some try in the blind side, you know. When you have, the, I am a coach, you know, and when you have the best player in the world, it's better to coach him than to have him against you, you know. So I think. Uh, these guys, it's 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 amazing because you can see against uh, against Fiji, we we were uh, quite struggling, and he, he creates three tries from nothing. Mm. So, do you know? Uh, I think it's something so special. You can see also when he play for Toulouse. Toulouse are eighty percent winning game when he's playing, and just fifty percent when he's out. Is that right? Wow! So that? you can yeah. so you can say what what the difference he make with the French team but also with the Stade Toulousain. He doesn't get hurt, does he? He's, like, he's so consistent and yeah, but he's, robust. He's, he's very strong. He's, uh, he's very, very quick. But uh, also we forgot that uh, sometimes he finished fly half, you know, with, with yeah, the Stade yeah, yeah. Toulousain, he's, he starts from half. Well, that's a really good point because, Hugo, you just mentioned that France have got a great team. You said the same, Philippe. Missing three or four players going into the World Club. They're going to need DuPont more than ever. How much is that going to affect them? We've got Dante... Lemsey's out, isn't he? And Tamak, of course. It's the depth will make the difference in in this World Cup. And uh, to be honest, Fabien Galtier was quite clever. In, in four years, he used, uh, I will say, 45, uh, 45 players. They did a preparation with he 42 knows. players. So, yes, uh, and Tamak is a big loss, but we have two other good, uh, uh, good fly half. And I think the, the, the difference, because... Uh, because the World Cup will be very long, it will be very hard game. I think it will be two uh, two uh, games in pool, quite hard, plus quarter, semi and final. And I think the, the team will be champion, will be the team with a, with, with a, with a better depth in the squad. I, I, I will say this new generation of French players, they, they won the, the World Cup under 20. Yeah. They won with Toulouse or with, or with La Rochelle, mm. top 14 or European. So... They are not scared because they beat 
and they have the habit to win. Then our Grand generation, we were French flair, so we we can win one amazing game. And the week after, we were terrible. Yeah, yeah. We were so French. <laughs> then this generation, they are they are built, they are born to be champion. That's the most consistent French team going into this World Cup. You could go results. further back than that. So 2003, I think you got your hat trick against them, didn't you? you? Scored quite a few hat tricks that year. It was quite phenomenal. 2007, on the bad side of it, you it literally pumped France on that two-test series, about 100 points aggregate. And then 2007, you lose them in a in a tight game. So you, uh, you never really exactly, know. And now yeah. New Zealand apparently rubbish after the South Africa game. And it, that's one game. Like it makes a difference. Doesn't matter what results you've done before going into this World Cup. I think that's one one stat that we said they've played each other 15 times yeah, and only what they've won one time. So it makes that one. That? <laughs> do you imagine yeah. one result covers it? No, it clears your history. It? So yeah. that's what World Cup is all about. And the only thing that we always remember in World Cups, it's not mostly our wins, but it's our losses, obviously, especially with the All Blacks uh, against the Frenchies. We're on saying, New Zealand at the moment. Oh yeah, the, because we are in sync. That was exactly my question. We go. Let's take it back a year ago, and apparently New Zealand rugby is on a decline. Since then, you've had a, a, a great compilation of results. Then Ian Foster is told that he's not going to be coach at the end of the World Cup, before the World Cup starts. You then batter everyone in the rugby championship, and it's like, oh my gosh, the dark horses. Do you remember New Zealand? Yeah, they're really, really good at rugby. And then we go back a couple of weeks ago at Twickenham, where you ship 35 points against South Africa. Is it fair to say there's a bit of confusion or are there just a few blips that we're perhaps not used to with New Zealand rugby at the moment entering into a World Cup? Blitz and just other teams developing really well. The level's just gone up. Uh, and, the, and the challenge of being an all-black, even before those blitzes, uh, we've always had challenges because we know every single team is there on their A game. And if every other team has gone up another level and you're not in, a, in your A game, you're going to get 30-odd points. They know they're kind of being pushed aside. And they don't really worry about that. It's more the inner, inner group to say, how can we get our respect? How can we get our own respect back on ourselves and having a good performance that we can say, come out of that field? And they said, you know, we've done the jersey justice. And um, they'll be just looking at that. They were a man down against um, South Africa, obviously. I think I read some stats. We'll have to check this. But I think the Barrett brothers are responsible for 33% of all-time cards for the All Blacks after that against yeah, Barrett. To be honest, this game in, in Twickenham, uh, New Zealand against South Africa was very interesting because when you are a player, but when you are a coach, you know, uh, sometimes you you put six forwards on the on the bench and two backs, and you take risks. You say, well, if I have a scrum half or a back injured quickly, it's a big risk. But you do six two, and South Africa on this game they did seven forwards on the bench and just one box. Then it was Cobus Renac covers, uh, covers scrum half and, and winger. But uh, after 49 minutes, South Africa, they changed seven forwards and bring seven forwards. And this for me was, a, it was something new. We never Did seen you like it. You like, you like or you don't like this match New Zealand. <laughs> so it's, it's huge risk because, you know, international level, you can, after five, ten minutes, uh, tackle and have a bad injury. But they try some things new. And it works on this day. But And I will be very interesting to see also the strategy of South Africa during the World Cup, if they, if they will carry this or they will come back to six forwards and, and two backs. Because normally it's five forwards and three backs on the bench. I think just for context for that, um, Vinny LaRue was due to be on the bench and he pulled out the day of the game. So they then went from a 6-2 bench where Vinny LaRue was going to be on there with Kobus Rydak and just went, oh, do you know what? We'll just go 7-1. So it's, I don't think it was... I imagine we'll keep to it now. Though. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it was just premeditated. I like it. I know it's been a huge discussion point, but... When did they change that, do you reckon? I, I think on the day. Do you reckon, would conditions play a part? If it's a wet, slow, sloppy game. Which it was, wasn't it? The rain started. The rain started, that if you had conditions. I, I also think they have a backline, which not every squad at the World Cup has, where it's so interchangeable. You've got Damon Willemser that can play 10, 12, 15. He can play on the wing. You've got a scrum half in Cobus Reinach that can play scrum half. Yeah, winger in the centre, wasn't it? Yeah. They've got back rows that are actually comfortable 
in the back line as well. And so as much as we speak about South Africa, and of course we focus on their super strengths as set piece, they also have an interchangeability within their, within their team, which is skill. And we don't often talk about skill with South Africa. I think there needs a lot of myth busting with South Africa. They, on average, scored just under four tries a game. They scored five against the All Blacks. That's remarkable. So whilst they do have the nuts and bolts of the game, they do possess so much more as well. Let's just uh, finish on the opening fixture before we move on to, to, to that group. Uh, what are they going to do with the hacker? We talked about 2007. Um, they faced up to the hacker. It kind of worked for them that day. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Wales tried it, didn't go very well in the past. What do you think? If you were Galtier, what would you do no, on I Friday night? They will respect the, the Haka is the, the first game of the, of the World Cup. I think uh, when he was Shabal and everything, he was completely different. The French team lost against Argentina the first game of the World Cup. They were struggling and uh, they bring an extra of... Uh, uh, aggressivity and some things, but I think on this game, I think the French team will, will just look the Haka, but I think the, the atmosphere in in, uh, in Stade de France oh will be goodness. amazing because it's gonna be could you imagine at the moment to get one ticket for this game, it's more expensive than to get a ticket for the final. So you can see wow. the interest everybody. Have you got any um, contacts for us? For the <laughs> Yeah, no, but it's crazy. It's crazy. The price you see this house? No, but you see this house? <laughs> <laughs> That's yes, where all the tech man is going, mate. No, but... It's going to be a serious corporate you, here on Friday you, you, night, isn't you it? You can see the... What's the name? The interest for this game. All French people want be in the stadium Friday. Everybody want to be there. <clears> and it's just 80, 82 dozen tickets. That hacker, obviously, between the French and the All Blacks, it's a different respect people kind of interpret it differently when they speak too much in her face, but it's like, okay, they're here to play compared to in Wales when they don't want you to do the haka and you make the haka inside your changing room. Uh, that's a different kind. Um, but we've seen the, the level of just on the field and off the field, people engage into what's going to come in the end. And uh, I still remember, there's a photo still going around. They, they have it in my course here. There's, me doing my facial hack, I don't know how I got that facial coming up, but uh, Give us it. Fred Michelek, Michelek is my just, <laughs> just look at that camera. Let them just enjoy the view at the back. Um, <clears throat> I had Fred Michelek right in front of me, uh, who's um, coaching with him now and racing at oh, Bazaar, so he still brings it up. He's got this stare that just say, I don't, when I'm here, I don't give a damn and I'm just going to stand there. He's not showing, he's not talking, but he's got this little stance about him that he just, I'm here to play. It's, and that's awesome, you know? It's pure theatre, isn't it? Um, let's talk about England. Oh, do you want to go on? Just on the hacker, I mm. think you're so right. It does polarise opinion in terms of what do people do as a response? And what is, when you actually break it down, the hacker is a challenge. So New Zealand are coming to France, they're coming to Paris, the home of French rugby for this tournament, we're hosting it. And New Zealand are coming with a challenge to the French team are hosting it. You have to respond in whatever way you feel comfortable. For the All Blacks, they expect a response. It's all done under the banner of respect. I faced the hacker a few times. We didn't really have anything like pre-plan. We just stood there, faced it, and then got beaten. <laughs> that was just how it went. <laughs> but you have to... It is a challenge, and there's always a response. And... The game of rugby is a physical one and the, and the challenge which is set down is one of real determination, one of real respect and one of tradition. So whatever is done, whether it's something, whether it's nothing, it's amazing. And by the way, sport is entertainment. Mm. And that moment itself is going to be watched by everyone around the theater, world. Theatre, isn't it? People Pure want theater. to come to the game for the game, but they also want to come to see the hacker yeah. and to see what French rugby is going I, to do. I agree with you. Philip's got tickets, he's sorted. Um, so we're going to talk about England. Philippe has got a rant that he wants to get to. We'll, we'll leave that for a minute. Let's start with you then, Hughes. Steve Borthwick, do you want some stats? Three wins, you know these. Three wins and eight, including a first loss to Tier 2 Nation. I almost feel a bit bad saying that about Fiji because what a wonderful rugby team they are. Uh, is it bad for England? How bad is it? Well, it's not ideal. Um, there's nothing that breeds confidence, momentum like winning. Yeah, three from eight is obviously disappointing. And one from four in the summer series, they'd have wanted 
better performances. Um, and I think people's frustration just comes about just in, just in terms of Philippe and I was speaking. When you look at the potential of the individuals and the team, you think, wow, they have the potential to do something great. We, we've not quite seen it, but it, it, it is different when you come here, when, when you do descend and come to France. And for me as an England fan, You've got, one or, you've got one of two options when you're a fan. Your team will win it. It makes it easy to support your team and be a fan. But at this point, what, do you chuck the towel in and go, ah, oh, they haven't been great. I'm not going to support them. Or do you double down as a fan and go, come on, we have to get behind them. They're the points. They're the moments where I think your team need you the most. And sometimes it might be through gritted teeth. But England against Argentina, that, f that first game of the weekend, Argentina beat England in November at Twickenham. So this is this is the rematch. This mm. is the rematch, and this is probably the focal game of the pool that will then ultimately decide who comes first, who potentially comes second. So, yeah. And, and if they win that, it kind of maybe takes a little bit of pressure off Borthwick then for the well, fourth conversation. Sport and sport's really fickle, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You look at Wales in the Six Nations, won one game against Italy. They then come to summer series. They beat England in Cardiff, and all of a sudden you can start looking ahead. You can start focusing on what you're going to do rather than what's just happened. Yeah. And sometimes you need that one fixture to be able to change the narrative, change momentum. So England against Argentina is a massive one. I still think England will be in a World Cup quarterfinals. I truly do. So amongst all the fog that is surrounding the nation and perhaps some of the narrative, which hasn't always been complimentary, my eyes are focused on where we're going to go rather than where we've been. And I still think England make it out of their group and find themselves in a quarterfinal, and to try not to simplify it too much, but if you're in a quarterfinal, you're three matches away from winning the whole thing, and that's the that's the opportunity. Their game plan during the season or, or throughout the years, the kicking strategy, do you reckon that might actually change, or would that still come in handy during pressured games in a Rugby World Cup game? What, based on Farrell as well, maybe not being the way they play with him, do you think? Yeah, I think it's a question which lots of people have asked, I think. The tactic of kicking and kick pressure and territory is one which is well seen by this English rugby team. But I'm sat here 24 degrees and this is absolute perfect conditions to run around. Us here as three wingers, we want the ball in our hands, we want to run. But I also look at the best nations in the world, France, New Zealand, South Africa, Ireland. Their point of difference between them and everyone else is their ability to score tries. I've been on record for ages to say it, but I think the top try scorer at the World Cup wins the World Cup. I think it's going to take tries to get to that point to win a final. And we've seen it in Twickenham when the, the, the Scotland team went into Twickenham. Mm. Well known for the kicking game way before, mm. but their style of, they've, they've switched their style of play and you've seen the differences. Obviously, Finn Russell playing a big part of it, but um, like you said, it's... To see what happens. Eh? I would love to see them break the shackles, play with <laughs> a bit more freedom and explore their potential. I think if we do that, then we could find ourselves in a good way. It's, you know as a coach and a player, and you know as a player that have been at these big tournaments, one of the biggest factors in elite sport is pressure. And France have it, but how do you utilise it? Do you turn it into something which is positive? New Zealand almost since the day that rugby was born have always had pressure because of your achievements, the standards you set, there isn't a huge amount of pressure on, on England. And I hope they're able to use that to be able to breathe a bit uh, better, to have a greater sense of freedom to be able to do what they need to do. What you say, it's uh, the four best teams, like you say, Ireland, New Zealand, South Africa, and the French team. Where they are good, it's when they arrive in the strike zone, they score. You can see the, the French team against Australia, against Fiji, they didn't have too many balls, they, they were quite a lot in, in their half, but each time they came in the strike zone, they score. And I think this is a big difference between these four nations and all the others. And it's for me that uh, the rugby improves so much now. Of course, you need discipline and everything, but I don't see one team, one other country wins the World Cup than these four countries mm. because. What's the name? You need confidence, you need uh, uh, creativity, but you need also to believe in your, in your game plan. And I think this is uh, very, very important. You know, now you coach a team in, in the racing, 
and you know it's difficult not to to arrive and to be uh, to win two games in, in ten tests and say no I will win the World Cup. It's impossible. Mm. No, you need to win five very very hard games during the World you Cup. You need the momentum, and you need yeah. yeah, you need this, and you need the experience, and you need also the trust of of the guys. And uh, I think the big difference you were uh, spot on. This big difference is when you are in the strike zone. Some teams are. All the time unlucky, but it's not unlucky. They are not as precise than the four other team. What you need is a really creative number eight that maybe has played a few seasons in France in that England team, Philippe. And, this is you know, a loaded question. Maybe. <laughs> would you like to so we'll, we'll give you. Speak about Zach Mercier, the, uh, yeah. the floor is yours, Philippe. Off you go. No, firstly, <laughs> I am very, very sad for Zach Mercier. I don't know why. Because in. He was amazing in Montpellier for two years. He was the best player in the top 14. He enjoys his life. Uh, he was an amazing player for us. And he moved to England. Uh, he signed to Gloucester, but to, be, to play for this country and to be involved in the World Cup. And uh, when I see uh, that he was out of the 44, 45, you know, uh, he was devastated, but it was... I think it was terrible for him because he moved just to be involved with England. And after, you know, it's it's a it's amazing player because he has flair, he has creativity. It's difficult to read, you know. Uh, he he passes, he, he creates so much. And to be honest, I think it's what uh, England needs at the moment. It's some flair, you know. And uh, you know. Uh, when you are the best player in the top 14, it's not it's not easy, you mm. know, because when you you have guys like Antoine Dupont, you have guys like Aldrit, you have some of the best players in the world, and top 14 is 26 games plus uh, semi-final and final. And when you are, because he was elected by the players, it's not by newspapers yeah. or by the coach, he was the players say, that Zach Mercer was the best player of the top 14 and we won the, we won the league. And to be honest, I don't understand then why he's not picked in the 33 of England because, because he's, a fantastic, uh, he's a fantastic player. After, it's sure, he, he don't like too much the weight. He's not a 180 kilo in the bench press because he tell me I prefer to do a pass than to carry weight. But rugby, it's a game. You need to pass, you need to touch the ball. But after, you know, this work rate, it's amazing. And uh, in two years in France, he improved a lot his defense. It's an amazing player and, uh, and he's a flair player. So. You two are both coaches now. What's the most important thing? The best players or the best players to fit the system? You win trophy with good players. You, know, you never win trophy with average players. So after, you need to adapt and you need to adapt your game plan with the, with the players and the quality of the players. But, you know, after Zach, yeah, it's, it's quite atypical in the, the French word, I don't know the English, but he's so much skills, you know, he can play center, he, he's as skillful of, a, of inside center or outside center. And uh, he's tough because, you know, when he play, uh, in two years for Montpellier, he played 56 games. So he wow. never be injured. He trained each day. And, uh, you know, uh, after you are coach and you have a, a game plan and you have players fit, but to be honest, when he was out of the 45 players, he was a, a squad of 45 players in the in middle of June. And some number eight was injured. And he was out of... Uh, of yeah. this uh, yeah. of this quant. for me uh, it's difficult you bring it's, a strong it's, argument don't you it's, you very, very, like it's very very difficult to, to to understand this and also because me I coach him and I have very great relation with him and I was very close with him and he said Philip I have my the best two years in my life and also he was married uh, he just have a baby he enjoys his game and he moved to England to be part of the, yeah, of of the water. Yeah. And, uh, and then nothing. And, and nothing. And 
I, I think it's good. It's good for Gloucester because I hope he will play very, yeah. very well for Gloucester and everything. But I think England miss some player like this because you saw against Fiji uh, at one time he was just uh, one pass bash, one pass bash, one pass, and international rugby. You need to do the extra pass. You need oh, to move space. the ball. You need to 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 play uh, where is space. And I think these guys. He brings this after, of course. You need to give him freedom. Me, he was with a, he was with a fullback. You know, my winger was on the first line defense. He was with a fullback. But each time a team kick, he was bringing something special. I am very sad for him. After I hope that England uh, will do will do well. But at the moment when I saw the the game of England, you miss this this flair, this creativity, and. And you have very good players. You have very, very skillful players in England. You have, for me, you have you have good players. But at the moment, the the confidence is quite low in the in the English squad. Um, we are looking forward to the World Cup. It starts in just a few days' time. But of course, for the team's preparation starts months before the actual event. I caught up with England's operation manager Charlotte Gibbons to see how preparations are going in England camp. Charlotte. We are a couple of days away before the tournament begins. But to be fair, for you, I'd imagine this has been in preparation for a long, long time. When did you start preparations for the Rugby World Cup? Um, would have started in 2020, really. So after the 2019 one, but we went straight into COVID pretty much, didn't we? But no, it's the first meeting that you have as team managers is in 2020. Um, Recce started in 2021. So that's when we came over for the first time, picked our team base um, and since then, so really, it's it's been two and a half years of you know planning, I guess, essentially. And now we're here, thank goodness. Yeah, I was going to say, what what's it like now actually being there? It's just relief, really. So um, we did lots of visits um, in the build up. Different people, not just me, but all different members of the team, coming over to check a few things. So the chef would come over. Um, we obviously had security coming over, and then we arrived on. Thursday and it was an incredible welcome but I'm always just until I see the players so I just want to see their reaction and see you know how they find it so the first the first 24 hours is always hectic people are trying to figure out where to go where things are but um, rather than try and preempt everything I just sort of sit back let them discover it all I'm there to answer questions and actually they've been really pleased with what we've set up so they love the hotel the team space is brilliant the training ground is you know is it's great. So relief is the overwhelming. <laughs> it's some job, isn't it? Operations manager. I know it's very difficult for you to explain what you've been doing the last three years, but can you give, an in, give us an insight into what your role entails with the players? I guess in a nutshell, it's making sure they're in the right place at the right time in the right kit. So that's essentially it. So it's finding the training venue, finding the hotel, getting that set up, um, doing the schedules alongside, obviously, Steve and Allard. There's the commercial bits, which is more pre-World Cup. There's tickets, there's friends and family, there's the security. So, yeah, it's just making sure all those different elements are in place and that the guys have got what they need to, to focus on their rugby. It's really important, isn't it, to get the timing right in terms of a build-up to a game. They can't go too early, they can't leave it too late. Do, do you get involved with the... The off days with the players, you mentioned that they sort of have the Monday off, test week starts on a Sunday, they have the Monday off. Do you, do you get involved with what they do and have nice things planned to take their mind away from the game? Uh, yeah, so today a few of them have gone off. We're in Latuke. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a fantastic golf resort. So um, a few of them have gone off to play golf this morning. Um, I will always help them organise stuff if they want to. Again, if they want to just completely you know dial down and do their own thing that's fine as well so I just make sure that there's things around that I know that they can get to it's about getting them there so we've always they've got you know bikes there's um, people carriers that can drive them around and stuff so yeah there's I would help them out to make sure that they can enjoy their off time because that on off thing is is very important so Mondays and Wednesdays if they want to you know do stuff then I'll then I'll help them organize that but to, to be fair we've got some Jamie George and Danny Kerr are in charge of that. So I just work through Jamie and he he sorts, he makes sure that, you know, they've got good recovery time, yeah. Hey, what, what are you like yeah. as a, a, a fan, Charlotte? What are you like watching your team play? I love watching them. I'm so, I'm so, I've worked with them, a lot of them, because I used to work in the pathway. So I've known, I've watched these boys grow up. So I feel incredibly 
proud watching them. Um, so, yeah. And that must be quite quite special. Who the who the players that you've seen come through through the ranks, and now here you are uh, with them at a World Cup. So back in. 2008, I did my first under-18 tour with Joe Marler, Billy Vinopola, Billy's sorry, Billy didn't come, George Ford, Owen Farrell. They were like 16, 17, and 18, um, right up until 2016. So Tom Curry would have been the last guy on an under-18 tour that I went on. So, yeah, I've seen, I've seen them grow from talented young kids into full-blown internationals, into dads, into husbands, and like I'm just so proud of them and proud to be here along that journey with them. It's just it's brilliant to watch and yeah as well as uh, if I can do my little bit that helps them that's fantastic but yeah it, it's great to see them on this stage we wish you the very best of luck at the weekend thanks for chatting to us thank you very much so we've done a bit of uh, opening game France New Zealand we've done a bit of England let's move on to Australia Philip Saint-Andre Eddie Jones is in charge of Australia he's got Steve Hansen involved has your WhatsApp been going this week is he getting you involved is he trying to employ every coach in the world to help him uh, and help Australia win the World Cup. I know, I know well Eddie Jones. You know, I've seen him. He's been on your Instagram. Your best yeah, mates. Yeah, and was, he was a he was coach of also uh, Saracens when I I was coaching Cell uh, Sharks. So you know, I did a lot of meeting with him. No, I think you know it's it's not easy. Also, when you you moved England to to Australia, and you arrived just a few months. Um, Few months before the before the World Cup, but uh, to be honest, against against France uh, la, last week, uh, they were not as bad as this. But uh, they didn't have a kicker, you know. I think when we speak yeah. about score in the strike zone, but also kicking game, the French team have two two great kickers, or they did 90, 95 percent. But halftime, it was eight points difference between mm -hmm. the French team. And Australia, but the kicker of Australia missed eight points, and the French team make one hundred percent, and this make a huge, a huge difference because when you don't have a kicker, after the team say, okay, I can do a, a silly mistake or I can take a penalty at forty-five, fifty meters because they will never make three points, and I think Australia in the about the, the rugby, they, they, they break French, the French team few times, they score some good try, but you need a great kicker. That is it, Carter Gordon, isn't it? Quite you relatively need, new. You need, I think, I think he, he, he kicked two on, on nine yeah. or something like this. And this, it's impossible to, to win uh, one of the four or five best nationals in the world. If you don't have a kicker, you also, it, you, it'll change the game at halftime. Yeah, yeah. It'll change the game because all of a sudden it's a tight game. France have all the ball, all the territory, all the opportunities go into half time. And you can imagine a team thought, okay, let's keep doing what we're doing. We'll break them eventually. But you look at the scoreboard and you're thinking, for all of the output, we haven't got the benefit. And Australia are going, we haven't really played that well, but our kicks are taking us, uh, are keeping us within the game. And as much as we want to talk about tries, we'll see loads of tries this World Cup. Every World Cup, 2003, England had a great goal kicker, Johnny Wilkinson. 2007, South Africa won the World Cup by kicking. 2011, Dan Carter, 15, Dan Carter. 2019, despite South Africa's dominance in the scrum, Andre Pollard, three, six, nine. That scoreboard exactly. pressure absolutely tells. So if you don't have a 90% plus goal kicker, those tight games, and whilst you might see free flow in rugby in the group stages, quarter semis finals, you need those penalties, those drop goals um, to be able to give you a buffer. It's like you see the scoreboard pressure plays a massive part on pressured games. World Cup, it, it plays the psyche part, it does a, three points as like 40 points. 2007, exactly. a drop goal, and you win the tournament. Mm, it's massive, it's the, and that's the difference. Philippe mentioned momentum as well. I mean, Eddie's not from five going into World Cup. Um, we saw some of the reaction of the All Blacks when the news about Steve Hansen got announced as a proud All Black. What, what did you, what did you make of that? Him coming in to help the Aussies? It's just kind of awkward, really. It's like, <laughs> um, what happens when you meet each other in the playoffs? As as that sensitivity part is like, because uh, you've 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 gone into a camp and obviously. You know, there's friendships that you've created in rugby, which you know, which is important as well. And and where do you have that limit into 
ex enhance this player to be the best, and next thing this player's been enhanced, and they come up against your team that you always you played, you're going to play against that you previously coached. But I can understand it's uh, it's bigger than that for Steve. It's bigger than that. It's self development. It's your friendships. It's a touchy subject, eh? It's, yeah. uh, Could you ooh. come and help the, the English? No, but what would you do? Yeah, would. I ask you, we have some beer, it's 25 degrees, we'll go to the beach after, I will go to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning with Eddie Jones and to have in the end of the day. And we, we've, um, we talked a little bit about South Africa uh, earlier and I'll tell you who we haven't spoken about too much on the pod, it's, it's Ireland, bizarrely. Like, uh, maybe, Jens, you go first. Ireland, you, Philip, you think they're top four in the world <laughs> going into the, the tournament? They have a chance in your eyes? My only uh, doubt, it's an, uh, in the history of the World Cup, they never passed the quarterfinal. And this was an amazing. It's uh, in some things, uh, experience and uh, history, it's, uh, it's important and... Uh, but after I think they, they, they won 16 games in the row, I mm -hmm. think so. It's quite it's quite amazing. <clears throat> but uh, against Samoa last week, they were quite struggling yeah. when when they changed the team. And uh, in the beginning, I speak about depth because you you know that you will have injury. You know that you're starting 15 on the first game. If you arrive to the final, it will be five six players different. So my only question is, I don't know if the Irish team have the depth to go until the final and win the, the final. The Irish team are amazing and they are the best team in the world, but they have the habit to play two games, few weeks rest, two games, few weeks rest. The World Cup, it's completely a different thing. Each five, six days, you need to to wear the jersey. And this is very, very tough. And uh, after, you know, they are, they are precise, they are, they are amazing. They are the best, best team in the world. They are number one in the world at, at the moment. But uh, to be honest, me, uh, I am more scared about South Africa. Uh, if, I, if, if I will bet, you know, I will say South Africa, France in, in, the, in the final of, of the World Cup. The history of not being able to get to quarterfinals, yeah, that's that's a backpack that weighs slightly heavy on them. But I actually think they're over that. I don't think this team are even thinking about quarterfinals. They think about how do we win it. So I don't doubt their quality, their cohesion, the, um, the sense they have no fear playing against anyone. The only thing that I doubt about them is their route to potentially achieving the World Cup. They'll get out of their group. And if they get out of their group, their World Cup quarterfinal is New Zealand or France. I mean, that is filthy. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's a matchup for a World Cup final. We've previously said previous World Cups, who's going to make the finals? Then we said, oh, he's going to make the semis and the finals. Now we're talking about who's going to come out of the pool. What? what it World is Cup one of the most competitive World Cups so ever, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Can I mention a country that Ireland haven't had a huge amount of oxygen considering they are the world mm. number one coming into this World Cup, starting in a few days. The other one who I think is a massive dark horse that no one's even spoke about, Argentina. Argentina with Contopomi, with Michael Checker, with their recent history. Do you think they could be one of these dark horses that can really upset that top four which we've already tried to establish? Depends the first game against England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but me, one of their teams is Scotland because I, I feel that... The, the Scottish team plays very well, play a great game of rugby, and maybe they have the best generation yeah. Yeah. from a long, long time. The only, the only problem, they are in tough group. No, they but that, South group. Africa first. Will they put everything into that? Absolutely all they've got. And can it's they spring it, that surprise? It's two strategies. Or you put the best team, or you put the second team, and you try, yeah. try to be Come focused seconds. to win the other game. But do you know, because Scotland, I think, are, are fifth nation in the world yeah. or something like this and uh, for me you know they played two games against France in the warm-up game they were amazing they play so quite a, a good rugby you know what, what would you and, do if you were a Scottish coach what would you do South Africa you mentioned maybe 
it's terrible, but me, I will pick the second team against South Africa. No, you would ah, Why? South Africa, if you play, pick your best team against South Africa, you will lost, probably. I will say 80% chance, but you can have five, six, or seven key players injured. So it's like a gambling, you know, but for me, I think Scotland, they have a chance to be in the quarter final. But first game against South Africa, you can lost, and also you can have maybe four or five of, the, of your best players out for the rest of the competition. So it's a, it's a big risk. Yeah. But me, I speak about strategy and I speak about the, be the best chance for Scotland. Can you overcomplicate it? Can you overcomplicate it? Because you're thinking, okay, so play our second team just because we this could potentially happen, or do you just back yourself? You're at a World Cup. Do you, do you back yourself? Would this World Cup come down to points difference? Or bonus points? Oh, I'm not bonus, but points difference. Because it's going to be so close. So do you play your best team every single game because you want to get close in terms of that points difference? Or do you want to play not your strong team and get flogged? And that was the difference of getting that. I know it's not in the mentality of the Scottish team. Yeah. And they will pick their best team against, against South Africa, of course, you know. But it's not an easy game to play your first game against South Africa. And also, if South Africa put seven forwards on the bench. <laughs> if um, Scotland put their first team out against South Africa and they beat South Africa, can we come back to your house next week and discuss that result? Of course. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, as you know, I'm a proud Welshman. But it's fair to say, Joe, uh, that... If Fiji beat Wales on opening weekend, that's not a surprise. In terms of history, it's not a surprise. Obviously, the last time yeah. that it was around these areas, obviously. 2007, um, yeah, I was there. Awful. But it's, it's, it's come down to that of this, like we've just been previously speaking about these other teams tackling the Giants uh, and coming to World Cup. It's a shame, obviously, what's been happening in, in Wales in the past uh, few years or few months, um, obviously on and off the field. But it's the confidence of the Fijian team that's going into this World Cup is so high at the moment. It'll be the first time the Wales will be making sure they are switched on from the get-go and not really... Yeah, and, something, and something's different, of course. When you look at the back line of Fiji, it's unbelievable. But they have a kicker. Also, this makes a difference. Quite rare, being a kicker. Yeah, but, <laughs> but before, before, we say it was very difficult, but they have, a, they didn't have a kicker. They were struggling the last 10, 15 minutes, but no, they have a good team. Yeah. Over 80%, good, I think, good, in super rugby, isn't it? They have a good impact player, but they have a great kicker also. They show against, uh, against England, you know, the, the important kick, he, he make it. And, uh, you know, I think the, for me, the two, the two outsiders in, in the World Cup, it's Scotland and Fiji. Yeah. I watched um, Fiji against France. I know they lost by 14 points, but it wasn't a reflection of the game. It wasn't. It was an intercept try, five minutes to the end, and that extended the lead. But that was so competitive. And I saw Fiji at Twickenham, and it was a brilliant result. But that wasn't Fiji playing at their maximum potential. It wasn't. I think the room for growth. And also what they've taken away from other teams is the areas where I felt as if you could manipulate Fiji you could beat them for fitness. Um, you could beat them in the set piece. Their set, their lineup didn't function against England that well, but the scrum functioned really well. And they have a kicker. I think Fiji Wales that open a weekend. I mean, I'm, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit worried. You, sh you should be. About the, the, you thing is, the thing is, we st the Fiji team, the boys relied was well known for backs. Uh, that was about. That was about it. Well, now you've got a good balance of a full pack who can actually compete against well, we, we you see got the line you see the set moment. piece but you see when you're in the score zone the strike zone these forwards just making easy I'm not saying it's easy but it looks easy because it's a static catch yeah. and they still graduate two metres one metres but they always seem to going go forward, forward, going forward, forward. so you got forwards who are going forward and you've got a lethal backbone who just wants the ball from 9 to what <laughs> 4 to 15 and it's just exciting to watch for my side anyway i couldn't agree more and they've got players that are really familiar i think to, uh, especially us up here you, you've got someone like levani bottier who plays at larisha whether it's a seven or at 12 he's one of the most devastating hybrid players on the planet i think in terms of 
what he can do on the game line with ball in hand and how he can stop momentum in defence. Turnover. Joshua, well. Joshua is over. He's the type of player, if he gets the ball one on one, and we'd have been in these positions, and you're seeing this guy who's the width of him, the trunk of him, his legs, his ability to create power and dynamic. He didn't play against England. No. He'll, he'll be back for that Wales game, which is ridiculous. Then you've got someone like Semi Randrandra, who's just. He creates something out of nothing. We're talking one pass plays where it's 10 to 12 and all of a sudden he's an offload in the behind the game line. Their ability to be, able, to be able to create momentum is unreal. The matchup with Wales is going to be fascinating. I'll be so interested to yeah, see... Yeah, can you say some nice things about Wales now, gents, please? Wales, by the way. But you, you beat England in the... Thank you. In, in the warm-up. Uh, Wales, please continue. He was, a, he, was a, he was a good game. He was a... It was a very good game. Wales are who Wales are, and I think people really need to respect, especially under Warren Gatlin. They'll be fit, they'll be tough. They're always a tough team to beat. And I thought what we saw in the Six Nations is not a true reflection of them. I think what we've seen this summer is a far greater true reflection of them. They've also got a lot of young players. And by the way, at a World Cup, you get one of two outcomes. You get um, young players and experienced players that are overawed by this and worried and find themselves rabbit in headlights. Or you see themselves thinking, oh, well, this is fun. Mm. but how good is this yeah. what an opportunity and I think you've probably got more of the latter out of them so I think it's going to be a brilliant free-flowing game which will turn into an arm wrestle at some point because that's going to be a tight fixture but if I had to put my money on it anyone who thinks Fiji's not going to get out of that group think again because oh, no, they could right. and I'm, hey it could be Australia it could be Wales I'm not sure who it is when we look at this Wales-Fiji game or any of the any of the matchups in the opening weekend I'd love people to put together their combined teams look at the Wales team look at the Fiji team pick your combined team how many Fijians how many Welsh how many English how many Argentinians how many New Zealand how many French we're not talking fancy team here we're talking about a oh, little World Cup 15. Yes, your combined team of that open weekend. It'll be really interesting to see the division of labour between and, the two squads. And you lost a lot of uh, important players and experienced players in the Welsh squad, you know, and it's, this is difficult uh, to, to change. And, uh, and you know, also for, for a great team, you need a you need great leader, you know, and you need leader with, with experience. And, mm. uh, and the Welsh team have less, less experience than they had before. Let's not focus on that. Let's say Wales and Fiji to leave the group. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, you're talking about World 15s here. Uh, Hugo, it's time for us to do our Can Pie 15 in partnership with Asahi Superdry, which is the World Cup's official beer. So this is, um, we can ask the gents, your favourite opponent, maybe someone you found really difficult to play against, but then you enjoyed a beer with them after and you said Can Pie, which is the Japanese for cheers. It actually means empty cup. But that comes from when you get an Asahi because you want to finish it. So, yeah, it could be someone you've played with, someone you wanted to play with, uh, someone you have shared a beer with or would like to share a beer with. Uh, Philippe, who would that be for, for you? For me, it was uh, James Small of the Springboks, South African. He was a bulldog, tough, hard. We had few fights on, on the pitch, but all the time after the game, we have a lot of, lot of beer, you know, and uh, he was a great, a great guy. He's, He's not, he's not anymore here, but uh, you know he was a fantastic player. He won the World Cup in 1995, and uh, and he was a he was a tough guy on the pitch, but he was a fantastic guy to to finish the night. So, James Small. I guess best wing off the field will be Drew Mitchell. <laughs> uh, he's a guy that you know you can can never take him seriously on and off the field. Uh, we've created uh, a good relationship, obviously yeah, playing against each other, a uh, bit of chit chat now and then, and played with each other in the bar bars as well. So, in terms of uh, off the field, it be Drew Mitchell on the field. Bar bars with Drew Mitchell for a week <laughs> on the field. Uh, it's, it's a real tough one, obviously. Um, I'll go for my I'll go for my Welshman. I'll go for Shane Williams. Uh, all right, go on then, Hughes. See, I watched a lot of Joe when I was growing up. Oh, nice. And Come uh, old man. What did it? See, when I was five, I was watching. Joe. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I used to watch Philippe. Probably oh, yeah. the radio then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we were. Like, I was lucky enough to play with Joe in 2015 on Barbas. And that was some week. You do a lot of bar boys, Joe. Yeah. You can't turn it down. Touring's the best part of rugby. 
because it's you and your team traveling around the world. They're the people you rely upon, socialize with. And I had some of my best times and experiences in a country I absolutely love, South Africa. So I'd say playing against Brian Habana, but a world-class player, uh, Tess Centurion, and just a really good bloke. So going to South Africa, coming up against some of the greatest rugby teams that they've ever produced, and then been able to share a beer. He's a, an absolute gent and an incredible competitor. You two are not quite getting the rules here. You need one then. Go on, decide one in the 15. Is it Drew Mitchell or Shane Williams? I'll go for Drew. Uh, quick fire before you leave, uh, gents. Philip Saint-André, who's going to win the World Cup? Fans. Joe Rocathogo, who's going to win the World Cup? I'll go ABs. Uh, got Money, who's going to win the World Cup? South Africa. I think... But do you know what? There's never been a greater conversation about this Rugby World Cup because I think, especially when you look at round one, you've got Friday night Paris, France against New Zealand, could be a World Cup final. England, Argentina, could easily be a knockout game. You've obviously got loads of other matches as well. You've got Wales against Fiji. You've got Scotland against South Africa. It's wild. People are trying to work out how the favourites are going to get on, who's in that kind of second tier that could progress, and then who might be able to upset the cart. We speak about Fiji, a tier two nation. They're seventh in the world rankings, one higher than England, who are eighth, who are a tier one nation. Exactly. Like, the rugby world is so condensed, and the airspace between top and ten is so tight. And then you put that under a spotlight and a pressure cooker of, of a rugby world cup, and we're going to get we're going to get upsets. We should see unpredictability. That is the essence of sport. That is probably a good place to leave it. So much to talk about, so much to think about before the first round of the Rugby World Cup. A big thank you to Philippe, to Joe, to Hugo. Philippe, thank you for letting us use your house for this podcast. My pleasure. Love what you've done with the place. Do you do a good flat white? We've been looking for a good coffee, haven't we? Or maybe it's a beer. We'll stick to the Asahis. Yeah, we'll get the Asahis. Sounds good to me. Uh, leave a comment uh, below and we will see you after the first round of the World Cup. Enjoy and we'll speak to you and see you very soon. Mm.